Workforce Transformation, a future of work where individuals are owners of their own career. Companies buying work outcomes, not employees, on the open market. Welcome to State of Independence, the podcast about how independent work has completely transformed the U.S. economy and how you can take advantage of it. I'm your host, Asya Hawk, Vice President of Talent Marketing at MBO Partners. Welcome to another episode of our Voices of Independence series. Today, we will talk with Wade Forbes, corporate artist and founder of Redtail Communications, LLC. We will talk about his path from a career in cybersecurity and consulting for the Department of Defense to creating a business around his skills and passion for connecting with people through a more visual medium. Wade, it is so great to invite you as a guest on the State of Independence podcast. I've truly enjoyed getting to know you during uh, my time working with the MBO Advantage program, and you're certainly somebody who truly exudes passion for the path that you've chosen, the path of independent work. So what I'd like to do to start off and to give our audience a little bit of an understanding about you is to kind of take them through your story, your backstory of your career where it began, and how you ended up today as the owner of Redtail Communications. So tell us a little bit about that. I think the story changes every time because I think more and more about it and the things that have made me get to where I am now. I was an art major many, many years ago in the 90s. And when that career field was developing, there just did not seem a place for me. I didn't see things that I wanted to try. So I tried a lot of different things. I actually was an elementary school teacher for a little while, and then I stumbled into cybersecurity. I'd gotten hired by a consulting firm to work with them, and I was kind of the catch-all person. And I learned a ton of things about research, which brought me to working with the military. And I'd never been in the military before, and I spent 16 years doing cybersecurity work with the military, and it was my job to disrupt them. I was the person who hadn't had the same journey as they did. And it was my job to give them insights into other ways people could be thinking and feeling about something. And I didn't realize until I was much older that that was the artistic side of me coming out. Uh, As an artist, you can feel these things. You can think these things. You can see these things. And about three years ago, especially in cyber, when my clients were so inundated with information, I said, how do I give them something more than just text? What if I started to give them some rich pictures to improve their understanding, to help them tell their story, to share their story, to capture what was going on in these different pivotal moments? I was working with strategic planners, policy writers, and people who were responsible for kind of helping us move into a future that had a lot less threats and concerns for what was happening on the internet. And as I did that, I joined MBO. So I was with, I've been with MBO since May of 2017. And what I found with that program is everywhere I ran into a hiccup, I found somebody who could help me go further. And the value of having people like that giving you reminders and offering you content and answering your questions and helping you stand up a business where you don't have that in your background yet was tremendous because it allowed me to focus on these creative things that I've come to really enjoy and that part of my life that I'd shut off for so long is now filled with a team that can help me get to the places I want to go. So Redtail was official this year. We started the LLC and my wife joined full-time in July. And so she's doing the voiceovers and I'm doing the quick draw videos and the illustration and other things that just help people tell a better story and help people feel creative in a time where there's a lot of uncertainty. So I can kind of bring the whole getting comfortable with being uncomfortable 
movement to life because we're all doing that together. And if we can feel more creative, it makes us feel better and fill the voids in with all the ways things could go right instead of all the ways things could go wrong, which is, I think, a human behavior that I'm really, really dedicating myself to reversing because I spent so much time with people whose whole, whole job is to make sure that like the world doesn't end and cyber war doesn't break out. And it's like, well, what if we just work on our relationships? And what if we work on the way that we talk and interact with each other? That could be just as exciting. So I find a lot of people that have that similar mentality and that quest at MBO. And so I, I've gravitated towards all of you in many ways to, I think, just help me stay energized and feel better about that. Well, it's been extremely fun to watch you and uh, your wife really go through the journey of going from a career pivot, a very conscious career pivot, the one you made from being inside cybersecurity to setting yourself up as in the niche of being a graphic artist and that sub niche of the line drawing that you're so excellent at. But more so even than that, that, that career pivot was what you talked about, and I wanted to tease out, which is the starting and standing up of an independent firm and how somebody with a creative background can do that successfully if they find the right partnerships. And it really seems to me like you've hit on something, which is a skill set that sometimes people don't have, which is when they start a business. And I know this from experience, from having started more than one, sometimes there's a desire to just do it all. Like there's a focus on I'm the one who's going to do every single piece of this. Like I need to be in control of this and somehow I'm going to be rewarded if I do all of this really well, right? Instead of I'm going to focus on what I'm really, really good at and I'm going to figure out very effective ways to get those other things that I need to get done done so I can earn money doing what I'm really good at. And I, I put you in that sort of latter category where I think you figured that out pretty quickly. And as a result, you've been very successful as an independent entrepreneur in terms of revenues, in terms of choice about the lifestyle that you live. So what are the pieces of advice that you have to offer? What are the kind of the top things you're like, you know, I, it sounds like you're a fan of MBO and we love that and we appreciate that. What are some other things beyond that that you could share as advice with others that might be pivoting out of a longtime career to pursue a skill or passion? The first piece of advice is surround yourself with people that are doing something similar you want to do. When I decided to break out of my, my own, if I sat in a room with cybersecurity analysts and said I wanted to be an illustrator, that conversation would tank rather quickly because I was with people who had already solidified their skill set and knew exactly how they wanted to move forward. So I had to put myself in different rooms. I started working for companies that were doing the things I wanted to do in a freelance capacity because MBO afforded me that opportunity where I could still work with some previous clients would bring on some new ones. Being around people that were doing what I wanted to do that was completely different than the career field I was in. The second thing was I had to learn a lot of little things once. So people get really overwhelmed with learning a business and they'll get, they'll get stuck on quarterly taxes. Quarterly taxes is learning a lot of little things once, but I wouldn't say it's insurmountable or that you're gaining so much knowledge all at once that you can't do your quarterly taxes. You just have to learn how to calculate your expenses every three months and make sure that you have a, a log and some way of um, keeping track of those things. And you have to say to yourself, if you make a mistake, you're not being unlawful. You're just learning. And then you have to surround yourself with people who've been there and can give you some good advice on those things. The next thing was you can always go back. So I think when people make a career choice, especially when they choose to leave the full-time workforce and go into something else, 
they have this fear that they just made like a 30 year decision. And it's like buying a house. You can buy a house and buy a 30 year mortgage and you can move if you want to, and you can go through that transaction all over again. So I think it's the same thing when you're starting a business. If I started Redtail Communications and missed all my bills for seven months in a row, I know that I was still accumulating a skill and improving my talent so that I'd be useful to another organization the same way that I want organizations to hire me. And then I think the last one is you really just have to do the math and know what that target is for each month so that you can maintain the lifestyle you want. And then when you start to see more flexibility enter in, I am learning how to go away from just time in exchange for money into creating something that people are going to want to have over and over again, or a project-based billing system where, you know, this is what it's going to take to go into this project and that firm fixed price versus just, you know, hours in exchange for illustration of the thing. So having that flexibility to do that hybrid billing has given me tremendous flexibility where some months I'm going to make three times that I make another month. So I'm not always making more money, but the money is there and you have to just get used to the uncertainty that it's not going to show up the same way every single month. That's a speech I've given to a lot of people and some people get stuck on, well, I don't know how to find those other people. I don't know how to do that networking or when do I start learning all these little things or how do I get into those other rooms? And I say, you have to believe that it's going to work out. And if you don't, you probably shouldn't start a business or you should wait. Well, it's really good advice. And the themes you speak about, income volatility, network development, knowing what to focus on and what to outsource, these are all the themes that we see in State of Independence that link to the subgroup of independents that are known as sort of the high earners, like the 100K plus group, people with the capability of standing up a firm and, and making significant revenues. So I think your story echoes the story of you know, those many millions of America's independents that um, have figured out and, and continue to craft that formula. So one of the parts of state independence that we actually didn't end up launching as part of the key report because it was so nuanced was this idea that during COVID, many independents pivoted from a service-based approach to a product-based approach, probably not surprising given that there was a shock you know, to earnings in COVID. And also because physical ability to go and deliver services on site was obviously threatened for a lot of people. And we, we really spent a lot of time on this topic and ended up being too dense to be a part of the main report. So it's something no, we're going to focus on and, and share out. But your story fits really nicely into the pivot story, because in fact, your article for the MBO Advantage Consultants Quarterly kind of cues to a product that you created in the time of COVID, a product that relates to resilience. But it's also something I want to talk about in terms of how you made the decision to spend time thinking about productizing your art. You know, it's so funny. I started drawing because I didn't always have the right words. And the way that you just weave that all together, I wish I could describe what my year has been like using your words sometimes. And so I, I use illustrations, but a quote that I heard about two years ago is, if you don't see the leader you need, be that leader. The year leading up to COVID, I'd go to the same coffee shop every day. And in the beginning, I saw lots of people who had gotten kind of, they lost patience, they were nasty, they weren't really kind to the people serving them coffee. And I said, you know, nobody, nobody dreamt 10 years before this moment that they'd be serving coffee to these people in this place. So this is probably just people that are working their way through life for various circumstances. And I started every day 
to bring them an illustrated quote and I'd pass them my mug when I ordered my medium coffee with cream and sugar and a shot of espresso. And they would stop, they'd smile, they'd talk about their dreams and it would change the tone. And then they started putting them on the machines, on the outsides of the machines and all the painters could see them and people would talk about things that inspired them and that was uplifting. And I said, okay, that was a really neat experience. And then wham, COVID hits, March, 2019, all that work goes away. So just like you said, I, did, I couldn't go into work in person anymore. I was a subcontractor on the, on the contract. So I said, I got to make this illustration thing work. And when I got really nervous, I said, what do I need to do here to replace that energy with something better, something more positive, something uplifting? And I would literally sit in my den some nights and draw 10 or 12 quotes. And I started posting them around my kitchen for my family. And then I took them to social media and I got a great response. People said, man, these quotes are great. They thought about things. And I thought, you know what, Asia? They just needed a burst of hope, something to replace that downward spiral. And what I'm seeing is what if we had that in our work? So I'm not saying that you should replace an entire staff meeting to talk about a, a quote that makes you feel hopeful or joyful or uplifted. But what if we did? What if that staff meeting wasn't about how do we get down to business, but it was why are we here and how are we making the world a better place? And if people can't answer that question, maybe we do have to change the products that we create. So fast forward to November of 2020, and I had 230 quotes that I'd done over the last year. And I took them to a publisher and I said, I want to write a book. How about this, this, and this? And she said, you know what, Wade? Her name is Melissa Wilson at Networlding in Chicago. She said, Wade, what about a journal? What if you put a, a quote on every single page and people could spend time with their thoughts, do that self-care that we so desperately need that typically gets prioritized out of our day all the time? What if people could spend time with that? And what if we made it a 90-day journal to help people quarterly? Winter is a tricky time of year. We have less daylight, less vitamin D, things that's something that we're so crucial about. She said, why don't you make this journal? And I had never imagined it a day in my life. Three and a half weeks later, it's published on Amazon. It's published on drawforhope.com through a local marketing agency. I wanted to do something local where people could buy color copies that are autographed and I can actually touch them. And then there's a print on demand option for Amazon. And it has allowed me to interact with people. And instead of just saying I'm selling something, I look at those people and they're all spreading hope now. So instead of me feeling like I have to do it by myself or make sure I talk to 10 or 12 people a day, instead of reading my quote out loud by myself, I know that other people see those quotes and they could feel better. And that means that they're spreading the right work and doing the right things in the world. So I don't know where those are going to take me in the world. I'm going to do four, one for each season this year. But what I do know is that I feel better and I'm selling something that makes me feel good in hopes that it can help other people feel good. And I think those are the things that are sometimes missing in our business world and the emotional intelligence and those attributes that we really need to bring forward that's coming part of this conversation. So I'm doing workshops with senior care facilities on people that are shut in from the world that don't feel like they're having an impact. They're reading my journals and we're talking about those things. I'm going to be working with some corporate teams on how they could experiment with having this as part of their daily work. And I think if we feel better, we'll do better things and we'll pay attention to the little stuff because a lot of little things, Asia, add up to something great. And I know it in my heart and I believe it. It's not one big thing that you and I are going to do this year, but it's a lot of little things. It's all these podcasts you're doing, all the conversations you're having with people just like me, that's going to help independents everywhere feel like they are they made the right choice. Not one conversation, but all of the conversations. That's so insightful. And, you know, I'm certainly feeling inspired. And, you know, it's interesting in this remote environment, I'll share kind of a personal insight. 
you know, so I sort of watch my kids really struggle with the isolation that they've had to experience in COVID. And it kind of breaks my heart, you know, that I have to keep them at home and isolated from their friends and from their school. And the topic of mental health has become a really hot topic in corporate circles. And it's something that many, many employers are talking about, given the a collective impact of COVID on, on morale, on connectivity, you know, in, in a very social world, we no, now no longer have those coffee shop conversations you talked about where you interacted with the barista. So I believe that one, I need to get on and get one for my daughter who's 16 and, and using, is using crafting and, and creative outlets to help her deal with COVID and isolation. And it's actually been a great thing for her to to create that outlet, you know, what she said to me the other day is, I thought it was going to be really tough, but I sort of explored things that I never really had time to explore before because I was so busy. And I'm thinking, oh, you're 16. You sound like you're 60, you know, but that a lot of 16 year olds feel that way. Their lives were, um, they were in the rat race already at 16, you know, even maybe even more so than we are as adults. So I really think it's an important takeaway that you share for teams. And I, I'm saying it in a roundabout way, but I'm bringing it back to the, to the client context that, um, the daily ritual or daily behavior of being aware of something, focusing on something creative, bringing out those thoughts, positive or negative, airing them and, and letting them be released, creates more productive employees. It creates a more productive corporate ecosystem. And I do believe it creates better results. I just got off the phone and I think, I think you know um, Jennifer Lemmert, who's one of the other members of the Advantage Consulting Magazine team that helped to, to bring this to life. She and I were talking about women in the workforce and, and the tremendous impact that COVID had ha has had on that group and the number of exits, you know, nearly a million women exiting the workforce during the time of COVID, probably sitting at home like you did with your family, right, in the, in the kitchen. And, and maybe not knowing or, or being able to achieve the kind of outlet that you were able to achieve through your creative craft. But how do we find a way for more people to connect with whatever is authentic inside themselves and find that resilience to move forward into 2021? That's the theme of this magazine, right? That um, the theme of the first quarter is resilience. You found it through your work. And then you found it through this, this unique new twist on your work. I believe others will be inspired by this and think, okay, what is it for me? You know, because maybe it's something completely different, but maybe they can take a lesson away from how you connected the story of here's what I do. You know, I, I monetize and I make money from my corporate art, but now I'm going to do something different with it. I'm, I'm going to release it into the world in a different way. I'm really, really believing and, and more and more becoming convinced that this trend of productizing one's work is not a trend that's going to go away. I see it in other ways. Let me give you another example. Most consultants basically sell their services, right? You talked about this. They sell their um, services as an hourly rate or as a, a retained product. But I've been following the trend of, of them going online and creating courses. So, so suddenly I'm somebody who now has taken my knowledge and I'm not just going to offer it to one client on a one-on-one -on -one basis, which is the service-based model. I'm going to turn it into a knowledge product and, and it can be simultaneously consumed asynchronously by somebody I might never meet, 
maybe somebody on the other side of the world, maybe even somebody who speaks a different language, but who's using a translation tool, but somehow they respect and admire my knowledge and they've discovered it in a platform-based world and they're going to use it to change their life. So I see that for you. I think you should consider, you know, throwing up a course, talking about the how of what you do and seeing if there's an opportunity there to, to reach even more people with your craft, you know, with the back end of what it is that you do, not just the front end of the product. I got chills a couple times in your comments. So my wife and I are doing that right now. She's, she's hired a trainer to help her develop that online content. And I'm going to learn vicariously through her. There's something really neat about picking a business partner that is also your spouse, you know, because you can celebrate these things in a different way. And I'm just very fortunate that where I end, she begins and vice versa so that we can complement one another's skills. But a couple of things you said. So first, the journal gives us a chance. We're all carrying around some really heavy things right now, whether it's being nervous, whether it's a big change in a job that we weren't planning on, whether it's the loss of a loved one. The journal gives us a place to put it. So we don't have to carry it with us everywhere we go. And I think kids are seeing that. I did some workshops in my kids' elementary school last week with third, fourth, and fifth graders. And the kids were fascinated that they could draw and doodle to let some of that stress go. And then to know that they could do it in a journal over and over again, they were asking questions about how to do that and what it would be like if they could do it. And then their parents need those things too. I mean, our children teach us so much. In the beginning of COVID, I said to my sons, what do we want to take with us from COVID and what do we want to leave behind? And I kid you not, my youngest said to me, he was eight at the time. He said, I don't want any more obligations to strangers. I don't want to rush around and have to keep up with these people that don't matter as much as these other people in our lives. And it was like a ton of bricks on your chest as a parent, like, oh my God, you're yelling at your kid to eat as fast as they can so you can go be with these people whose names you might not even remember 10 years from now. So how do we unpack that and where do we do it? And so I think what this journal can do is help us capture moments. There was a moment in my kitchen where the quotes were losing their stickiness and falling off the wall. And I said, what do I do with this moment in my life? Do I just let it go and laugh and put scotch tape on the back and tape them back up? Or do I say, this is a sign that says these need to be out in the world. And if other people can feel inspired and better, what could we do then? For a little while, I was concerned in some of my consulting that my clients were outsourcing their inspiration and only relying on me to do it. And I said, you know what? How can we all feel inspired? Because I can draw a lot of things. I don't have all the ideas. Your content can come to life through our partnership, but don't outsource your inspiration. That's the most exciting part of what we do when we can be creative together and make something come alive. So having a place where I know I can stick a memory and come back to it reminds me of, are you a Harry Potter fan at all? Did you ever read the books? So the great part about Dumbledore's pensive, where he takes his memories and he puts them in the bowl and he can leave them there for a while. He can put them out. He can put them on the shelf. I think I can do that now. I can look at a quote and say, I remember when I drew that Martin Luther King quote during the Black Lives Matter protest. I can remember when I drew the ant lifting a barbell that says, don't give up. The beginning is always the hardest. I remember that day in COVID when we were all scared. And that's in the journal now. And I can go back to it anytime. So if I can do that and other people can do that, how do we not get stuck on all the ways things are going to go wrong, but start to pile up the ways all the things that are going to go right, especially with our youth right now? Emotional intelligence is 100% the focus of a lot of these parent conversations when we're telling our kids to just hang in the pocket. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be okay. Don't let this one year define you. But also, how did we show up for each other? Let's pay attention to that. 
So thank you for helping me see how this plays in to the larger picture of all these other people that are going through similar journeys and finding their way. But I'll tell you, the products that I'm buying are the ones that make me feel good on the inside so that I can pay closer attention to how I show up. I mean, if I showed up to this conversation and I was being super negative, all I wanted to tell you is how independence is the worst choice ever and it's going to just fail in every single way. You'd listen to me and you would charitably interpret what I'm saying, but I don't think you'd seek me out for another podcast ever. So how do we come to these moments where we can share our ideas and not give you the worst version of me, but find the best version? It's that self-care. It's those little things. I've already journaled this morning. I've already drawn, a, I've drawn three quotes this morning since before we spoke, and those are not always convenient, but the days that I don't draw are very different than the days that I do. So you bring up something that I've personally admired and I, I, I would, will try to emulate. I don't always do it in my life, which is ritual of committing to doing something daily, which is actually incredibly hard. And speaking from experience, most people set out to do this. It could be as simple as I'm going to do something on social media every day, or I'm going to write a certain amount, or I'm going to you know, capture my ideas or innovation for my business on a daily basis. And they fail to be consistent. Not that they fail to be excellent, because excellence you know, is an ebbing and flowing thing. But it's the consistency that I think is really admirable. What advice can you give other consultants about how consistency and just commitment has helped you to be successful as an IC? Because I think it's a really important message. When you count, you feel successful. It's like waking up in the morning and making your bed. Something so simple, but it's the first task you've accomplished and you already feel successful. And then you move on to the next task. And then there's a series of tasks. So I think those daily commitments have to be to something that helps you energize you and could energize somebody else. I think a daily commitment of a social media post, people are going to want to punch me for saying this, but I felt like if I scheduled them, I wasn't being social. And people are like, wait, you're crazy. I mean, how could you write them every day? It's like, well, the whole point is to have an interaction with somebody. So let me imagine that I'm doing this because I want to reach out about something I'm thinking about that I think could help other people. And then the daily commitment, I used to think I had to change the world. Well, what if I just changed myself, my family, my neighborhood, my town, my group of independent workers? So I think I had to make it into something much smaller. Um, we are on day 312 of COVID in week 46. We get 109,000 heartbeats a day to do something meaningful. Out of those days, was, that my, was I at my best all those days? Maybe not. But did I have a lot of good days? And how do I know? Because I counted. And I think what you do with the state of independence, I've always admired because you're helping people see where we began 10 years ago, where we are now, and where we're going and the potential with all of these people joining this movement. So I think um, counting is a big deal for some people. And when we don't pay attention to those numbers, it's probably hard to find where you fit in the noise of daily commitments that you can make. Yeah, daily commitments to ourselves are sometimes the hardest things. And I think I'd start with a daily commitment to myself. And then I'd look for a daily commitment that I could share. I think I just had a, I have a, I had a twofer because I found something that I committed to doing myself that other people have come to enjoy, which are the daily illustrations and associated uh, social media posts that I've created. I think that's great. And I, I do think you've hit on some very important insights there. You know, Miles, who has been on our podcast as a guest, the CEO of MBO Partners, you know, when he speaks internally to the business, one of the things he talks about is this concept of like a daily routine, he calls it a daily hygiene, that helps 
an individual and a, an organization be successful. It's, it's simplifying it down to what are those daily behaviors, and you use the term a daily commitment and a commitment to the self and to something that is meaningful for others. And I think it's a takeaway that any of us can ideate on in our own lives and in our own structure. Your point is really valid. It's not writing and illustrating something because that's your thing, right? That relates to your business. It's, it's also how you monetize um, and, and become successful. It's the right choice for you. For someone else, that choice might look really different. So I think the takeaway that's really important for those listening that are aspiring ICs is to find that model that, as you said, provides energy, is something you can actually deliver on and is meaningful to your customer base. So three you know, incredible takeaways. So what I wanted to do here is sort of close out our conversation to talk about something that we've been thinking about a lot inside MBO, and you sort of mentioned it, and I wanted to tease it out a little bit. This idea of how you're successful in terms of interactions. You know, we talk a lot about being a platform-based business. We talk a lot about how do we facilitate meaningful interactions inside our broader network. MBO Advantage is one of the ways that we do that by helping to bring together a curated community. How do you see in your world the way you've created interaction and community that goes beyond your artwork? Because I, I know it happens in other ways. You know, the artwork is the is the output or the product. But I think there's other behaviors that you're probably engaging in that are helping you to connect with clients and why you're repeatedly asked to work again with your core clients and also with your peers that are others that are on the independent journey. What can you share? So this is going to sound funny because there are days that I really am scared when I do it, which means I'm probably doing the right thing. But I have a lot of agendaless meetings. And what I mean by that is there are people in my network that I reach out to just because, because I know it's going to be a good conversation because I know they're learning something because I know that they are going through it right now. I mean, I have consultants in my network whose relationships have gone completely awry and they're working with their children who are special needs. Do those people want to talk about statistics with me or do they want to talk about a project with me or do they sometimes just need me to reach out and check in? And it's fascinating what happens when you just have a conversation because there are times where I've had, I've had an hour long conversation with a client, 57 minutes is about who we are and what we're doing and three minutes is about the next session. And are we patient enough to truly listen and to connect and show up in that way? Are we sharing techniques about homeschooling our children in virtual environments and then talking about the session that I'll be illustrating for one of their upcoming roundtables where they bring all these experts together? I mean, those are important, but I think the small talk is actually the big talk. The small talk that I sometimes capture at the beginning of my sessions when I'm illustrating and um, sketchnoting for my clients is sometimes what's really going on in the world. And we just happen to have this other business stuff that's going on too. And I don't think I ever articulated it until you asked me, which I'm really excited about. But I think the small talk is really the big talk right now. We might, if by reversing that, the other things are going to work their way out. If you said, wait, I need you to write an article for me, I could do that. I would call that something that's so ingrained in us that we can do that on a fairly regular basis. But if you and I had to have a conversation about our, our children or our relationships or other things where we need to connect and we make time to do that, that's the relationship that's going to keep on giving for the future not the, I'll send you another PowerPoint or uh, Microsoft Office product that is complete. So that emotional intelligence showing up in big ways is, I think, changing everything for me. 
because I have to trust that those relationships are way more important than the transactions because the transactions were present in my life for so many years and they didn't really get me where I thought I was going to go. I, I want to enjoy the people I'm working with. One of the reasons I'm drawn back to MBO again and again is because I'm not having transactions. I'm having genuine conversations with really good people. How you vet the people that do all the functions that you do for people to do what I love. I mean, you're helping empower people to do the things they love. When you say love in a mission statement, that's a big deal. And so there's days, honestly, Asia, I feel like I'm just spreading love and I need it too. It's not like I have it all to give. I need to go get it too. So I think having those conversations where the, the small talk is really the big talk has helped reform me into somebody who pays attention to the little things now more than I ever did. And it feels so much better, more natural for me and my personality. That's incredible. And I think it's an incredible place for us to end our conversation with my thoughts or my kind of perspective to our audience, which is, you know, when you get a group of independents together, you don't know what's going to come out of that. But the thing that I've been that I've taken away from this journey of launching this first of what I think will be many consultant quarterlies is how little each of you have focused on what you're selling. In fact, I've even had to say, well, would you want to talk about that a little bit more in some cases? And instead, they focused on taking their intelligence, their knowledge of a sector, and they're very purpose-driven in what they've shared. They've shared something that is meaningful to a corporate leader that, in fact, doesn't connect back directly to their uh, practice monetization. But I believe it builds the relationship or interaction that uh, creates a really, really great conversation. And it's sort of, I think what'll happen is that people will want to pick up the phone and say, can I just talk to you? I mean, I'm, I'm curious, don't know where it's going, but I kind of want to talk to you after reading this or hearing your voice. And I think the combination of reading your content and hearing your voices is going to be very insightful for our, what I call our buyers, like people on the enterprise side of our business, because we often don't do a great job at MBO of actually surfacing those voices. You know, we billions of dollars of revenue go through MBO, you know, and have gone through MBO over the decades. But uh, to me, these billions of conversations are actually going to be an even more interesting value creation point that I think we will be trying to drive in various ways uh, through our ecosystem. And your story is one small example, as you said, and there will be many more. But I know your story will inspire others. So I'm so looking forward to sharing it out with our audience. So thank you for taking the time to do this. I'm just happy to be part of the MBO family. It's really changed my life for the better. And I'm I'm thrilled to see where it goes. That was Wade Forbes, corporate artist and founder of Redtail Communications, LLC. Wade is a member of the MBO Advantage program, our exclusive membership program that helps successful independent practice owners scale their business success and build a powerful network. You can find more about Wade by viewing his profile on the MBO Advantage Meet the Members page. For more on the MBO Advantage program and for more of MBO's insights on the future of work, Visit mbopartners.com or find another episode of State of Independence wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.